Welcome to episode 30 of Poppin' Down with my special guest, Mike Stroh. I'm your host, Shauna Quinn. Poppin' Down is a podcast about mental health issues and pop culture. We spend time each episode talking about our experiences with mental health issues, mental illness, addiction, and or trauma. And we talk about TV shows, movies, music, and celebrities from our perspectives. I'm not a mental health expert. I'm not a doctor. I don't have a PhD. I'm a woman who lives for pop culture while living with mental illness. Well, listeners, it's nice to be back with a full episode for all of y'all. Um, I've been doing well since the last mini-sode. Um, the new Lana album is absolutely incredible. Uh, that's Lana Del Rey. Duh. Um, <laughs> literally, there's no bad song on the whole record. Um, I listened to it a lot up at the cottage over Labor Day weekend, which was another great time with my in-laws, as usual. Uh, yeah, uh, just this past Monday, I finally got to see Casey Musgraves in concert. Uh, it was just a wildly wonderful concert, just like she's a wildly wonderful performer and singer and songwriter. Like everything was great about the concert, the visuals, her voice, the set list. Uh, I cried twice, like no lie. A great concert always does wonders for me. And uh, yeah, I'm seeing Carly Rae Jepsen tonight, so she's going to have a lot to live up to, I must say. In the world of pop culture, um, I was really saddened to hear about the death of Jan Daniel Johnston earlier in the week. Uh, if you don't know who Daniel Johnston is, he's something of an indie folk hero, musician, and artist. Uh, he was open about living with bipolar disorder and schizophrenia, and he influenced a great number of indie artists. My favorite song of his, which you just heard, Devil Town, holds a special place in my heart. Bright Eyes covered the song wonderfully, and then Tony Luca, a former Mouseketeer from the same era as Brittany, Christina, and Carrie Russell, covered the Bright Eyes version. Uh, Tony Luca's version has been something of an alternative theme song for my favorite TV show, Friday Night Lights. And like Friday Night Lights, Daniel Johnston called Austin home. Um, along with his mental illnesses, Johnston also lived with numerous physical health conditions. He died of natural causes at age 58. We're sending love to his family, friends, and fans. And if you want to learn more about Daniel Johnston, I definitely suggest checking out uh, the film The Devil and Daniel Johnston, a documentary about him. Earlier in the week, one of my most iconic role models, Courtney Love, took a huge stand against the opioid epidemic. 
Courtney was offered $100,000 to attend LVB's runway show at New York Fashion Week. LVB is the label owned by Joss Sackler, an heiress to the Purdue Pharmaceuticals fortune. Purdue is responsible for the overprescription of OxyContin in America. As a recovering opioid addict, and famously as someone who has lost many close to her due, due to opioids, including her late husband, Courtney exposed Sackler's people's audacity to request her appearance at the show and willingness to pay her, in a way, to support a fashion line that's been built off the backs of addiction, trauma, and death. I love Courtney. She continues to inspire me with her gutsiness, and this advocacy of hers could go a long way in informing people about just how accountable Purdue Pharmaceuticals should be held in so many people's deaths and addictions. Today on Poppin' Down, we chat addiction, depression, anxiety, OCD, and so much more with the founder of Starts With Me. Please welcome Mike Stroh to Poppin' Down. So today I'd like to welcome my special guest, Mike Stroh, to Poppin' Down. Hi, Mike. Hello. Thank you so much for being here with us today. Could you please tell the listeners a little bit about yourself? Yeah, thank you for having me, first of all. <laughs> I love our little setting here. It's actually making me quite happy. Um, so, a bit about myself. I am in my late 30s, which is crazy to think about. I know. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I have two kids, six and four. I'm married. Um, and I do a lot of work, I guess, in the mental health world of things. Cool. Um, Can you tell the listeners a yeah. bit more about your work? Sure. Jeez, uh, it's hard to know where to start, but I guess it's a mix between sort of personal experience storytelling, um, education, workshops, um, and curriculum development. Okay. Yeah. I don't know it's so hard to describe you know yeah I I mean maybe we'll get into the details of what that looks like yeah yeah. absolutely we will get into those details (laughs) Um, so it's called uh, starts with me your business yeah Yeah. so um, why did you name your business starts with me Um, I think that's the first time anybody's ever asked me that Um, because when I was I guess as I was healing, or when I entered recovery, uh, the guy who basically, the guy the guy who saved my life, basically, um, or maybe helped me get a life, mm-hmm. uh, that was pretty much the most, that was the thing that he hammered into my head, basically. You are responsible for your life, and right. if you don't... If we don't find a way for you to learn that, then you're not going to experience a different kind of life kind of thing, you know? Yeah. You know, he told me if I want a different life, I have to do things differently. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, a few years into recovery, um, I started getting a lot of opportunities to speak uh, mm-hmm. to high school students, mostly. Um, and then, I'm trying to remember the timeline, it's kind of hard to remember. So, I think 
It doesn't matter if it's not exact. Yeah, no, yeah. no. So as my um, wife was pregnant with our second child, um, I sort of was wanted a change of uh, career, I guess mm-hmm. you could call it that. Uh, and, you know, I was engaged in sort of the system. I was... A, I spoke for a program at CAMH called mm. Beyond the Cuckoo's Nest, and it's a really amazing program. And I thought, wow, this is cool, but it could be so much more interesting for young people. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had, I, I guess, one of the two jobs I've ever had is festival production. So I was sort of a music manager for a big festival. Oh, cool! Yeah, and I thought, gee, this could be cool, and I'm gonna just recreate the template for the festival that I had helped grow Um, and I'm going to call it the State of Mind Festival and then and I'm going to start this business called I think the business came first starts with me Um, I got my buddy who's a graffiti artist to draw a cool logo and then that's how it was born Um, it's a full expression of sort of my personal journey cool yeah wow. as, a, as an expression as well as I can do it you know yeah yeah cool um, and yeah. can you tell us a bit about um, any uh, mental health issues addiction or trauma that uh, you've been through some key yeah, experiences for sure I think I would say the it's hard to say so about grade seven mm-hmm. um, I really was aware that I wasn't comfortable in my own skin and I had an older brother uh, and often when you have older siblings you get access to things you maybe shouldn't mm-hmm. uh, so I started I experimented with weed mm-hmm. it didn't work and then for whatever reason my brother thought it was a good idea to give me mushrooms magic mushrooms Ooh. yeah <laughs> so at 12 years old I was a prepubescent little boy you know yeah. um, and I had a drug-induced psychotic episode on the mushrooms. Mm-hmm. Hadn't been drunk, hadn't been high. I tried smoking weed, but I didn't get high. Right. You know, a lot of people, I don't know the reasoning behind it, but they don't get high the first right. couple of times. Huh. I think it has something to do with the, the chemical, anyway, whatever. I don't know why. Actually, it'd be interesting to find out. Yeah. Anyhow, um, so I, not only that, I was in Chicago on a school field trip with mm. my class, yeah. I ate the shrooms in the hotel room. My friends were supposed to do it with me. Um, they decided not to. Mm-hmm. And an hour later, you know, I lost my fucking shit. Mm. Yeah, you know. And so it was horrible. It was horrible. Um, it was the worst trip of my life. Um, it's hard to really know what that did to me. You know. Yeah. Um, it's traumatic. Yeah, it was. In some ways, it was definitely traumatic. Uh, it took a couple days for me to regain my senses fully. Mm-hmm. Um, but what that did was it uh, paved the way for the you know next 18 years of my life, I guess. Um, which was basically, I feel so uncomfortable in my own skin and I need to do anything I possibly can to make that go away. Mm-hmm. Uh, I knew 
that maybe magic mushrooms were not the best idea for me. Mm -hmm. uh, Some so, of us have to learn that the hard way. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. So I, you know, I went back to weed, I guess, and it started working. Mm -hmm. And I think I was also part of the first generation of people who grew up smoking sort of modern day, genetically modified super weed. Oh, okay. So all the weed, I joke about this sometimes, when people who are really uh, pro-organic and pro this and pro that, but they'll turn around and smoke, you know, genetically modified super chronic weed. Uh, I find that an example of the paradox of sort of being a human. Right. Um, but anyhow, so I started smoking that, and basically within, by grade eight, I was full on hooked. And uh, from about grade eight, I don't know exactly, mm -hmm. to the day I stopped, which is just after my 30th birthday, um, I was high 24 hours a day, 365, yeah. Really? From morning till night, yeah. Wow. Yeah. So. So, I mean, so I would guess to answer the question specifically, like addiction, and that was the first, you know, that was the moment that I thought, wow, I can put things in my body and change how I feel. Right. Because I didn't have control. And I mean, that's a huge thing with addiction is we are, we are out of control or we don't feel we have any control over our situation and the drugs give us a sense of control. That's true. Yeah. That's true. Um, um, I know for me personally as well, like, uh, stuff like weed or alcohol, cocaine, uh, whatever I was doing at the time. Um, it, it's just like to kind of um, be able to not feel the self-loathing, yeah. as you said, <laughs> yeah. and uh, feel like you're a cool person to be around and uh, be more social or something like that. Was there yeah. a social aspect for you uh, or anything like that? Yeah, I don't know. I think I was always a social kid. Yeah. Um, it did enhance that, you mm -hmm. know? Yeah. My whole social life became want to smoke a joint. Yeah. Yeah. So my whole social life became around that. Mm -hmm. I mean, and it's a way to make friends too, in a weird yeah, way. Totally. Yeah. 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 Um, and I became a drug dealer very quickly because. Oh, okay. I, you know, how does a 13, 14 year old kid pay for <laughs> being high all the time? Yeah. You know, it's like crazy. So, yeah, I was a drug dealer basically. I mean, pretty much from grade eight. Excuse me. Um, so that opened a lot of doors to meeting all kinds of people. I'm sure it imagine. did. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so, oh, um, yeah. I don't know. Okay. Um, so when you were uh, using yeah. um, before you were in recovery, uh, was it just weed, or was it? Um, like, did other substances come into play at any point? Yeah, they did. Uh, I remember it's probably around. Um, there's so many sort of monumental moments that I don't always remember. Um, I remember one time I was at a party at um, these two brothers that grew up near me. Yeah. Uh, they were both bikers and like troublemakers uh, so it was a party there and I was 10 years there junior you know I was probably like 13 14 I don't know. but I saw them doing a lot of coke and a lot of it just like scared me to the point where um, and I was on mushrooms at the time no you know just uh, 
I remember being curled up in the bathroom, just terrified, and his name was Ogre. Okay. Uh, yeah, that was his, his nickname, and he came, opened the door, and was like, what are you doing? <laughs> like, he was kind of joking, but it was just like, so anyway, I was like, okay, I don't want, ever want to do that stuff. And I knew I could be high 24 hours a day on weed and not die. Right. Which is like a, a great example of uh, the dysfunction of addiction in a sense, right? We, right. There's three great words, rationalize, justify, and minimize. Yes. And um, so I said, okay, I can be high 24 hours a day and not die. But I do like doing other drugs. Uh, I just know the severe consequences that my type of personality would get me into. Mm. Um, so okay, I did a lot of ecstasy and MDMA and acid, mushrooms. Um, that's the, pretty much the extent. I stayed away from cocaine mm-hmm. um, for that reason, basically. Yeah, you're uh, lucky. Yeah, yeah, I think I am, no doubt. Um, no opiates or no no. opiates yeah that's very lucky as well for sure yeah because god knows how that would have turned for me um it sounds like more psychedelics were kind of what you lean towards yeah yeah, that's what i was gonna say alcohol so i loved being drunk yeah um but i might i would vomit so much yeah so i tried my hardest to be an alcoholic like yeah i would identify as an alcoholic but like I just, my body couldn't take it. Yeah. So, I mean, I did drink a ton, but there was another experience actually, which also probably shooting me away from alcohol. I was in Portugal with my dad and brother mm. and my dad's girlfriend at the time. And we were out partying with these guys from the Netherlands who were awesome guys. Uh, and I was so goddamn drunk. I passed out. I was vomiting in the washroom of a club Mm. and I passed out in the stall or like God knows what was going on. I do remember getting dragged out by the bouncer Mm -hmm. and thrown in the alleyway. Uh, And my brother never came to get me, which... What a dick. (laughs) Yeah, totally, yeah. And yeah, I mean, I was thinking about it yesterday, actually. In some sense, I was a pretty independent kid, so... Yeah. You know, he said, oh, I just thought you were still out partying or something. But I passed out in the alley and I woke up at, God, I don't know, five in the, six in the morning, something like that, lying in an alleyway uh, outside of a club in Portugal. In Portugal, yeah. (laughs) Which, you know, that, so that moment scared the crap out of me. Yeah. And um, I remember thinking, God, like I never feel like that when I'm high off other drugs or whatever. So alcohol seemed to have that effect on me and I... I was searching for that sense of control. Right. So that felt out of control. Right. And so I thought, Jesus, I'm never going to let myself get that drunk again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and so then, so that was probably actually part of the reason as well why I did not. get into alcohol very you know as, yeah. as much as I would have liked because I actually prefer the sensation of being drunk to being high off weed. yeah yeah hmm. interesting yeah control seems to be like a reoccurring theme in um, what you what you talk about when you yeah. talk about um, what you went through in terms of uh, addiction and stuff like that um, 
Can you elaborate on um, why control was so important to you? Yeah. I think, you know, it stems from a discomfort inside. Mm -hmm. So if I were to think of, you know, symptoms of mental illness or mental health problems, whatever, um, anxiety would be the strongest, Mm -hmm. at least at that time in my life. And, you know, what the hell do you do with that? It's really uncomfortable. So I need to control this somehow. Mm -hmm. Um, And I don't know how. Yeah. And no one's teaching me how. I wouldn't even have known how to say, I feel this. I need help. Please help me. Kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Um, And, yeah, I think all of us as human beings have a longing for some sense of control or some sense of security and generally that comes from controlling the situation or the things around us Mm -hmm. i think a great example is sort of our modern society is so obsessed with controlling things Mm -hmm. Um, and in some ways it's served us very well Um, and others not so much and that was the thing i couldn't control how i felt but i could control the consumption of the drugs right gotcha yeah and then it becomes a repetitive pattern and there's sort of you know drug addiction in a way is obsessive compulsive disorder Hmm. you're obsessing all the time and the compulsion is to get high right or to to do drugs or to use or to 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 quell the obsessive sort of thinking so it's like when am i going to get my next hit yeah Yeah. or like yeah or if i don't then this is going to happen or um i'm not okay i'm not okay i'm not okay or i can't fix this or i can't do this or i can't you know it just it's torture yeah um yeah so that the control thing's huge yeah yeah sounds like it Uh, you mentioned anxiety and uh, OCD. Um, do you have any uh, diagnosed uh, mental health issues? Yeah, so the one, that was a couple of good stories on this trail. Um, the one for sure that I wholeheartedly embrace and can't deny would be sort of ADHD. Mm-hmm. And so there's a couple of things I think are important to note about it. Um, you know, the DSM-5, which is the diagnostic manual for psychiatry, um, has its issues and whatever. It serves a purpose, but the descriptions of the symptoms are sort of behavioral descriptions kind of thing. So whether I think ADHD is real or not or whatever, the behaviors described under it certainly are real um and so that um that's very real to me and then as i was so the the problem was i never saw a psychiatrist or a doctor or anyone for that matter until i sobered up ah so like it's hard to know you know in a lot of recovery circles like addiction recovery they suggest not getting medical advice for about a year or so because mm. you're such a fucking mess right. that like you could be diagnosed with a different illness on a different day it's yeah. like how crazy am i today mm-hmm. um so my first psychiatrist often would like suggest um 
I tried taking antidepressants and so we talked a lot about depression um, never got a formal diagnosis like on a piece of paper for that um, nor anxiety um, it's weird for me because I I didn't seek psychiatric help for a year basically and so I was healing on my own in a way that like one funny story the other so I have a new psychiatrist and I I I, I do a lot of mindfulness I guess groups or practices mm -hmm. and my teacher just started offering uh, like level three for her for her teachings and she said everyone needs to go and get a new referral mm. to get into the program because because she's a medical doctor so it's covered by OHIP and anyhow so she's like you got to go get another referral form so I went to my new psychiatrist and I gave him the referral form and he fills it out whatever and he doesn't give it to me until I leave the session so the one nice thing about this guy is I have an hour with him every time oh cool so it's not just like go in check the meds and go yeah it's go in and we talk yeah like, it's like therapy which not every psychiatrist no. offers that. I'm lucky I, I have a similar Dude, situation. Yeah, it's really not an hour for me, but uh, yeah. yeah, he always wants to know what's up in my life and stuff like that. That's yeah. good, yeah, because it's uh, it, it's atrocious that, that the way it's set up. You know? Yeah. It's crazy. So anyway, so I leave his office with the form. I didn't think to look at it, and I look down, and it says OCPD. And I'm like, what the fuck is this? And like, this is only my like third session with the guy. So, and then I search it, it's like obsessive compulsive personality disorder. Oh. And so I'm like, what the fuck is that? You know, I like, obviously I'm quite aware of diagnoses and all these things. And so I start researching it and I'm like, you know, there's just, no, I'm like, this is not me. Uh, I'm also doing a master's in counseling psych, so I have a DSM at home. Mm -hmm. So I go home, I start reading through the DSM, I'm like, no way, like, I don't match these symptoms, etc. Fortunately, I had, and, and part of my unhealthy symptoms, perhaps of some sort of obsessive compulsive uh, experience um i start obsessing right i'm like what the hell i don't have this and, I, and so luckily i had an appointment randomly with my therapist like the next week or something mm. um all my psychiatric psychological care is under ohip which oh. is like incredibly fortunate that is very fortunate i had to wait a long time but yeah if you that's the whole thing it's like you can get on the list you just have to wait mm -hmm. you have to keep checking in um anyway so the other therapist who I've been seeing for probably six years now. Thank God I got to see him. He's like this big burly old man who's just like the kindest person ever. Mm. So I saw him and I told him like, frickin' you know, doctor or whatever, because they're in the same office. Wrote down that I had OC. Wrote down that I had OCPD on the form. And he sort of, he's like, what? He's like, you don't have OCPD. Mm. And I was like, thank you. I was like, no, I don't. What the hell? Uh, he's like, just cross it out. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I was like, am I allowed to do that? Mm -hmm. He's like, sure, it's your form. Uh, so that was pretty funny. Anyhow, so going to the diagnoses. That, that's an important story, I think, because a lot of people do get improper advice, right? That's and it's correct. it's so difficult to... How do you diagnose a life experience in like half an hour, you know? That's true. And yeah. so I know the system 
is doing its best. I sincerely believe that all of us are doing our best mm -hmm. with what we have. Um, and if we're not, that's because we're unaware that we're not, so yeah. to speak. Actually, yeah. it's funny that you mentioned OCPD because I remember a previous guest of mine, uh, she was talking about the differences between OCD and OCPD and yeah. like people think what's presented on TV like, in pop culture yeah. as OCD is actually OCPD. Like for example, if you ever watch Friends, Monica from Friends, people think that she has OCD but she actually has OCPD. Right. Like she's more, yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, wow. That's something that she brought up. Yeah. That's really interesting. Yeah. That's so funny. Yeah, that, that totally makes sense. Yeah. Um, when I was reading the symptoms or whatever, it's like, yeah, no, that's not me. <laughs> I mean, like maybe a little bit of this one and that one, but mm -hmm. um, and so I fortunately saw it, the new guy again recently, and I brought it up with him. I was mm -hmm. like, what do you? What the hell is this? And at first, he was a little bit defensive. Um, I don't know about defensive, but he was sort of caught off guard because mm -hmm. probably people maybe don't do that very often. Mm -hmm. uh, Aww. Oh, wow. <laughs> Police that horses. Cool. Yeah, awesome. <laughs> it's a nice sound. Yeah. Um, and I brought my DSM with me and I was like, look, man, like, I don't know. I don't know. I don't agree with you. Like, how did you do this? Uh, and the first thing he said, kind of, which was kind of funny and maybe I would have done the same, but you know, he sort of says, well, when someone comes in saying what you, saying, you know, you didn't do this right, but presenting all the things that they say they weren't doing, you know? Mm -hmm. So one of the criteria for OCPD is sort of like, uh, not perfectionism, but sort of some like ultra, Controlling? Yeah, or more like maybe it is perfectionism, something like that. Anyway. Yeah. So, like, my dive into the DSM and like the pursuit of understanding kind of like in a very small way might be, might reflect that personality trait. Yeah. Um, but this, but it's circumstantial, right? So it's like, no, under the circumstance, what I did is quite normal. So, anyhow, anyhow towards the end of the session, he apologized and was like I'm sorry that that happened and like it wasn't right of me to send you off with that on the paper without at least just talking to you about it wow. and yeah it was really nice it was like it was an example of the humility that the medical profession generally but in particular psychiatry lacks big time yeah for yeah. sure that's a huge thing yeah yeah it was really nice so yeah. we talked about it and whatever um and yeah he didn't know me very anyway we, we had a really nice discussion about why he might have thought that why i could see how he might have thought that based on the things we had discussed in like the two sessions he had seen me um and i think more generally we talked about it earlier the sort of adhd the lack of clarity and ability to focus on certain things like one at a time mm -hmm. like getting out of the house in the morning is like torturous for me mm -hmm. um, I mean it's gotten better but generally speaking sort of my experience of anxiety and OCD and depression um, are nowhere near what they used to be that's so, good yeah yeah. Nice, yeah 
That's great. I'm yeah. glad to hear that. Yeah. So I guess uh, you would identify with a lot of the symptoms of ADHD and... I would say like anxiety still. Anxiety as yeah, well. And even like I have the tendency to, to get obsessive and compulsive and like... And even the depression, like the, the, the experience of the symptoms are all still there. Mm -hmm. But they just don't... You know, it's like the container used to be out here, mm -hmm. you know, and then it's just gotten smaller and smaller and smaller um, based on the, <laughs> I, I don't know what you would say. Based on recovery? Yeah, or based on like my obsessive pursuit of like self-care. Yeah. You know? Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. Um, so let's uh, segue a bit here. Sure. Um, so. Uh, Let's talk about pop culture and yeah. um, anything that you've been through. Um, do you um, have you ever found like a like a TV show or a movie or like a singer or like a celebrity or anything that you're really you, that you really latched onto or thought maybe it really reflected your experience? Yeah, you know what? I actually wrote down a little bit of a list. I don't know. Oh, if, cool. If in particular, I think. So, uh, I was watching an interview with one of my sort of, I guess, like, idols or, like, people I looked up to when I was little. His name's Rodney Mullen. He was... He's, skateboarder, right? Yeah. Yeah. He's basically, like, the best skateboarder ever. Him cool. and Tony Hawk, I guess. He's known as the best street skateboarder ever. Anyway, Rodney Mullen, um, he said something in an interview where he said... Um, he has such a visceral uh, reaction to people telling him what to do. Mm. So I think, and I'm very much like that as well. I think a lot of people don't like being told what to do, but some of us maybe more so than others. Oh, for sure. <laughs> yeah, and and so when I try to like identify myself in somebody else, or or like I even have a visceral reaction to that. Yeah. It's like, oh, I'm not like that, or I'm not that, or I'm not. So part of that. Uh, part of that has caused me challenges mm -hmm. um, but anyway so Rodney Mullen I guess would be one no yeah. doubt incredible human being like I never heard him talk because I like, guess kids well one we had to watch things on VHS basically yes right? or we did <laughs> whenever DVDs came out they came out but that was until we were like in the hour almost adults yeah. <laughs> yeah so like, we were watching his I was watching his skate videos on VHS and mm -hmm. he, like, it's not like the skaters like get off their skateboards and talk to the camera right right uh, anyway so hearing him talk I was I mean he is an incredibly brilliant guy yeah he you know, owns or ran and built the, some of the biggest skateboard companies that have ever existed. Oh, you know, wow. he's a really wealthy guy, but he's just so incredible. Like, I don't know. Uh, I would say, like, I I look for things in people that I admire, mm -hmm. and then I try to sort of emulate the characteristics of that. You know? Cool. Yeah. So Rodney Mullen for sure. Did you grow up skateboarding? I did. Yeah? Yeah, yeah. So that probably had a big it did. impact on you. It did, yeah. I was thinking of like the movie Kids. Oh, yeah. That yeah. was a, yeah, that so was, that was quite more the movie. about AIDS and yeah. stuff like that. But just the, the social circle of those kids and the time in history. Yeah. Like, related to that a lot. I mean, I mean, I hung out with a lot of 
fucked up people, like yeah. just like I was, you know? Yeah. A lot of gangsters, a lot of troublemakers, a lot of nice people, a lot of athletes. Like I anybody I was so scared of not being accepted, I think, that I tried to please everybody. Wow. And yeah. then in some ways I would violate my own sense of what was okay to do that. Mm-hmm. But that was mostly in situations where I'd be with unhealthy people or dangerous situations you know right um i was convicted of trafficking marijuana in grade 11. um did you go to juvie i didn't thankfully i had to do uh community service i had two years of probation which is a pretty long time that is a long time yeah yeah um because i i wasn't caught red-handed basically so that probably helped a lot. Gotcha. Um, yeah. And with kids, they're growing up in, uh, you know, New York City. Did you grow up in the city as well? Oh, yeah. yeah. I grew up in Toronto. In Toronto, yeah. yeah. Wow. When I grew up here, it was a pretty small city, you know yeah. what I mean? Like, compared <laughs> to what it is now, like, it was small. So it was very, this has actually been a wonderful gift today. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I was friends with people from the west side, the east side, the north. I kind of grew up midtown like downtown kind of thing um so i knew this incredible array of people uh and we were all close enough the city was small enough that you you could sort of know who the people not to mess around with were in each neighborhood and like whose brother was you know this tough guy and whose brother not to fuck with and like all these other things like that right um but today I have such a huge social network, not to say that I'm like close with everybody, but I was always to, for the most part, kind to people. Mm. Uh, I don't like conflict, so that's probably helpful. Um, So yeah, I I am very lucky that I know a whole bunch of different people that as this process has evolved, Mm -hmm. like the Starts With Me stuff, they've been helpful and... um, yeah, so kids, uh, have you seen, the, there's a new movie out called The 90s, which I'm dying to see, because like, that is me and my friends. Oh, mid-90s. Is that what it is? Yeah, yeah it's on Netflix. Like Jonah Hill or something? Yeah, he and, directed it. So, yeah, right. Yeah, okay, I cool. haven't is seen it Is it on it Netflix? Yet. It's on Netflix, Amazing. yeah. So that's me In Canada. and my friends. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> that is my, my friends and I, should I say that? That is, that is my friends and me. Cool. Um, for sure. So though, I haven't seen the movie, but I would say that, and I was very much heavily influenced by 90s hip-hop music yeah any particular any uh, particular hip-hop artist so I'd say outcast yeah by far my favorite group ever I got to see them live once which was magical Mm. and it was high as can be on ecstasy and whatever but why not not, (laughs) back in the day anyway (laughs) Uh, that was phenomenal and like I produced a crap load of concerts too so I got to see lots of cool bands and sort of connect in that way Um, and Eminem too like as sort of I don't know whatever he's in a bit of an enigma but actually isn't that the name of one of his albums anyway I remember a friend of mine was sort of the hip-hop king and he had every single cd ever and just and he, yeah. he came to school one day he's like oh my god you gotta hear this like rapper mc dude um and he's like you and I, so i started listening to it i'm like oh my god this is insane so like he had, had got his hands on like eminem's like underground mixtapes that mm. basically actually never even were ever 
published, if that's the right word. Oh, wow. So it's before he hooked up with Dre and everything? Yeah. yeah, like, yeah. Probably like five years before. Oh, wow. Like that. Yeah. Maybe even longer. Huh. Um, and then the was, and he's white. It's like, what? How is it possible that there's like some white guy who can rap like that? Yeah. Because just at the time, it was like, it didn't happen. No, just vanilla ice and snow. Yeah. <laughs> Funny enough, I, I know someone who was pretty close with snow or he dated his sister for a long time yeah um yeah that's funny snow that's amazing he actually i was at the new kids on the block concert the other night oh, cool. and he showed up and did informer yeah like as a surprise amazing. thing it's so fun yeah that's awesome so yeah those would be let's see who else i you know oh some other fun like i wrote down oh the soloist so something i never talked what's My, the soloist the soloist um is with jamie fox and the guy who plays iron man Oh, Robert Downey Jr.? Yes, thank you. Okay. So The Soloist is a story about a guy with just schizophrenia, basically. He's a incredible celloist, I think it is. Uh, I think it's a true story, too. Um, so my brother lives with schizophrenia. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, which also informs a lot of the advocacy work that I do and stuff like that. Oh. But, um, so, yeah, like I was pretty much a frontline caregiver for my brother, though. Oh, really? As much as I possibly could be, yeah. Is he a younger brother or older brother? He's older. Older, yeah. Excuse me, uh, he's three and a half years older? Yeah. Yeah. So um, is that like a lifelong thing for you to be his caregiver kind of thing? Yeah, I mean, you know, once my parents pass. Like, right today, he's in pretty good shape. Yeah. Um, which is awesome. Uh, but there was a good 10-year span that was fucking horrible. Yeah. Um... But yeah, he's pretty good today. He's in really good shape. Um, so yeah, you know, like I'll be his. If anything were out to ever happen to him, like I would be there, no mm -hmm. doubt. Um, so and yeah, so the soloist just reminds me of, and it's a pretty like for the average person, that's probably not the most interesting movie, but mm. considering <laughs> your experience, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, it was very meaningful to me. Aww. Uh, yeah, so well, that's, that's nice. I'd like to, I, you know what, I'm going to check out that movie because yeah, I've never movie. seen that one. Yeah. There's a scene in there where they, I have another buddy who lives with schizophrenia who's an incredible advocate and doing incredible things in the mental health community, but um, he, he said, and the reason I watched the movie, I think, was he said, there's a scene in there with Jamie Foxx where they do an incredible, he said like, I've never seen a movie that did a better job at describing uh, what it's like to hear voices. Oh, wow. Yeah. So there's a pretty powerful scene there where, uh, where like they try to show like a psychotic episode basically. Oh, where, wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Huh. And yeah. it's, it's done well in yeah. Hollywood perspective. I like seeing yeah. things done yeah. well yeah. and especially recommended by someone who's been through that experience. Yeah. So if your friend with schizophrenia says, or sorry, if your friend who's living with schizophrenia yeah. uh, says that that's a good example of it, then I'm going to trust them over like some movie <laughs> yeah. reviewer sure. or yeah, some, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, like professional critic, you know, yeah. Yeah. who doesn't know who, yeah. 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 That's cool. Yeah, it is cool. So, you know, schizophrenia is one of those things that like, it's so difficult to empathize with somebody 
in that situation because it is so outside of the realm of what you can imagine to be a real experience for somebody. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think, like more generally, like in society, yeah, I think. It, I think because of that, it's more stigmatized as well. Yeah, totally. And in fairness, like in fairness to like the general public, so to speak. Mm-hmm. If you see somebody in the midst of a psychotic episode, like that's not an enjoyable experience, right? To, for lack of a better word, like mm-hmm. that actually can be quite scary and uncomfortable and 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 worrisome. So, you know, like as much as we do need to be more compassionate to people in those situations, we also have to be understanding for the people that are that stigmatize them because mm-hmm. they just don't know, and it is scary. Mm-hmm. Like it does. Yeah initiate that fight flight freeze sort of response in us when we see that somebody behaving that way so anyway um yeah man that was like a hell of a fucking experience and um just thank goodness we seem to be on the other side of it yeah 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 that's good yeah that's good i'm glad to hear that yeah yeah Cool. Oh, I got other like I wrote down Lion King, Aladdin. <laughs> so you're a Disney League. guy. Yeah, I am. Uh, Outcast, Tupac, Biggie, Eminem, Cheech and Chung. Oh. Do, uh, do you know who Cheech and Chung are? I know Cheech and yeah, Chung. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I remember like when those movies came out, or maybe they had been out. I don't remember, but it was kind of like, oh. Like, there's someone out there who's popular that sort of lives, sim- you know, or I am living similar to that. Or <laughs> so it was like some sort of weird validation. Yeah. <laughs> That's oh funny. My God. It's like the pot lifestyle being normalized. Yeah. Like, before it was cool for yeah. it to be normalized, right, right. back yeah, when it yeah. was still taboo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a great way to put it. And I'm not against, I'm fully in support of like legalizing everything mm-hmm. really for that matter um i don't think prohibition works at all but no it's complicated obviously it is yeah um, yeah and so that i think all of that i think what's made my advocacy work and speaking and teaching and all that kind of stuff really balanced is just the fact that i've had such a broad array of experience in this world of things absolutely yeah. it sounds like it yeah, yeah. Um, and did you want to get more into your advocacy work and uh, sure, some yeah. stuff you've been doing lately yeah um, let's see. okay yeah so actually where I'm going this afternoon uh, I've been working sort of well much more closely this year with this basketball organization so it's um, they provide summer camps and after-school programs to uh, kids in, I guess, um, disadvantaged communities or lower-income communities. I don't know how they describe it exactly. Um, Marginalized communities? Yeah, something like that. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know sort of their specific, everyone sort of has their own kind of way of describing that, I guess. Um, and so I would just go in and run little workshops about mental health and etc. And then recently, so I got a have a contract with them basically and we're building it's so cool we're building like 
were weaving in social emotional learning and mindfulness and stuff into their programming oh. so into their like daily activities cool so not just for the kids but also for the staff oh wow and then we're also building out something for their parents too oh that is phenomenal it's incredible it's so freaking cool like, yeah like my dreams all coming true in one and like yeah it's really beautiful um yeah so that's sort of that would be one expression of it Mm -hmm. um this year i was working pretty closely with saint michael's choir school Mm -hmm. uh which is right by saint mike's hospital um and we got an award from the board for like creating this really cool mental health program basically and it's sort of teaching high school kids how to present material so like public speaking and mental health advocacy and then also they would teach the younger kids who taught the younger kids so it was like high school middle school grade school like it was super cool that's amazing yeah wow awesome yeah so amazing and and then i guess another thing is this festival so we have this annual festival called the state of mind festival and it's a celebration of work that kids do in school so over the couple years we've built a whole bunch of curriculums with teachers like lesson plans for subjects in high school so like if you're in a biology class you can get take one of our or your teacher can get one of our lesson plans and teach like a unit Mm -hmm. in biology about mental health and so then the kids create projects and then they submit their content to the festival and then they all come on a field trip oh, cool. uh, during Mental Health Awareness Week to the event and we celebrate their event. And oh wow. Some kids like perform and some kids just have their stuff on display. We there's a few talks and like workshopy kind of things and cool. yeah, it's been really amazing. This was the third year this year. Uh, and it was bigger than ever and it just like There's this quote, um, how does it go? Um, the privilege of a lifetime is being who you are. The privilege of a lifetime is being who you are. That is, it's wow, incredible. that's yeah. deep. <laughs> that is deep, with Joseph Campbell. Um, and like, I have that privilege now, you know? And it's like. It's something you worked hard to get. Yeah, no doubt, and continue to. Um, sort of feels like I get tingles when I really can feel it um, yeah so I, like everything that I've gone through and do I'm getting the opportunity to like express and like bring into the world and that is like you know there's no nicer gift for me than that yeah it's like it's I don't normally talk about these things, but like the, so at the end of the year at the Catholic school, at the choir school, uh, we did the last session. So we built sort of four presentations that the high school kids would present at the, their monthly assemblies. And the whole school like sang me some like biblical song. Oh my God. Like, so I just like stood at the front of the assembly and they just sang it. It was just like. I could have broken down in tears right oh there, you know, God. just out of like gratitude and joy and I can't remember what the name of the song was, it was like Our Dear Saint or like something like that or our, I don't know, you know, yeah. like I'm not a Catholic person, but um, those are the moments that make it so nice, you know, it's not sort of like the, 
awards or the like acknowledge I mean the acknowledgments are nice but it's more about like the experience of being in the moment and feeling like that incredible sense of joy that I don't experience very often you know because like I certainly like in terms of mood and like depressive sort of like I generally like low mood you know and so I don't have those higher experiences but that's really lovely yeah oh that's fantastic that's beautiful for sure moving yeah it really is yeah um yeah yeah, um, I was going to ask if you were a spiritual person because uh, you mentioned that. Yeah, 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 but no, you know but, what? Yeah. I think a person, whether they're spiritual or religious or not, um, like a moment like that will move them yeah. no matter what, yeah. whether they believe in a saint or a Holy right, Spirit right, right, or right, right, right. not. Yeah, yeah, totally, yeah. And I mean, I would, like, I, I never was. Mm-hmm. Well, I think, so often in addiction sort of world, even alcohol, like alcohol and addiction night or alcoholism and addiction are the same thing right? they're mm-hmm. just different words but yeah um it's often sort of described that we're all of us are searching for an experience of god or like a connection to a higher power yeah yeah which i think and i couldn't even say the word god for like two years of recovery yeah because of like I would like look over my shoulder or like <laughs> want to vomit in my mouth, but that was only because of my own dysfunctional relationship to that word. Right. And I, obviously, my relationship to it was like Christian, is you know Islamic or Jewish, like the the fundamental or the modern big religions, right? Mm-hmm. Where God is like this powerful being in the sky or whatever. So that and I rejected that notion quite strongly. So. I had to, yeah, like in the in the twelve steps, which are, to me, an incredibly profound, beautiful program when you can get over the words that are used in it, mm-hmm. or at least not allow them to blind you from the deeper message, you know. Yeah. And so, yeah, the spiritual life, whatever you want it, you know, is deeply meaningful to me, and I actually think it's. A huge the the void in modern Western culture, at least, of spiritual life or a connection to a higher power. I think that 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 deep hole is a huge cause of all the suffering and the mental health issues and and the, all the things that are troubling people today. I really do. Hmm. I think it's. I mean, there is some evidence like academic evidence to suggest that that is part of the problem Um, because it's what I think ideally when uh, helping people get to a point where it's not what happens to you that matters right it's like how you relate to what happens to you that matters yeah and it's very hard to have that disconnection from what happens to you if you don't have some sort of sense of something bigger than yourself, right, or outside of yourself, right, it's different cultures and maybe religions or whatever have 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 different ways of describing that experience, mm-hmm. but it's all like pointing in the direction of that, right. So, like a secular mindfulness practitioner would describe it differently than somebody else but it's still the ability to say I am not my thoughts right or I am not my feelings I'm not the ex- 
it's like I'm not the experiencer of these things. I'm the awareness of the experiencer. Mm. And so that has been the biggest gift in all in my recovery. You know, like I take medication. I have a psychiatrist. I have a psychotherapist. I have a fucking mindfulness doctor. I have one thing I have a, uh, which we don't see anymore, but I had a marriage therapist for oh. like five years. Yeah. And like, God, without that support my wife there's no way we would be married so, no yeah. absolutely yeah absolutely i i believe in couples counseling as yeah, well it's like, a, even if like you're if it's not a lot of people think that couples counseling is like this last resort before you break up right, but it's not what right. it is it's maintenance yeah, and communication yeah yeah, yeah. totally and it's it is all was also covered by ohip um oh wow yeah so we got i i mean i got very lucky with that you're oh, resourceful i am incredibly resourceful uh which is another thing that I think we don't do a good job of encouraging people, right? It's like, no doubt the system has glaring holes. Mm -hmm. And it's absurd that people can't get government-covered psychotherapy. Mm -hmm. I mean, you can through OHIP if you wait long enough mm -hmm. and are persistent. So if I, I don't like, I don't like the current narrative around the system mm -hmm. because it's way too finger-pointy and like, Black and white. Yeah, yeah. that's a nice idea. And, and also, like, it doesn't encourage people to embrace the idea of, like, responsibility is, like, an overplayed word and a tricky one because sometimes people take it, like, offensively to say, like, you're not responsible enough. But we don't give people the idea that, like, you are capable of doing so many things for yourself. You know, and like encouraging that, like people in that direction, as opposed to like, you're not well because the system's not serving you. Right. Which like is true in a lot of ways, yeah. right? And obviously people from disadvantaged situations, like those are the people that like the system is failing. Yes. More so, like that is where I think like a lot of the attention needs to be paid. But even still in those situations, it's like, we're not encouraging people that like they're this incredible creation of the universe and they have all these incredible things inside of them that they can cultivate and like it's not fucking easy but like it's better than the alternative yeah you know and that's something that like i can say these things easily now but like i fucking suffered in like five years of just goddamn horror to like get to where I am today you know? exactly. yeah so I mean it's not easy but it's better than the alternative right exactly. there's a lovely spiritual saying too like it's simple but not easy right simple but not easy yeah. that's that's exactly what it is yeah so it seems like a part of your self-care practice seems to revolve around like spirituality and yeah. mindfulness and yeah. uh, any other uh, self-care that you uh, take part in even like pop culture is self-care or is. anything like yeah. that yeah no but I think I think that like I love music mm-hmm um, I, I do like what like I think because I was really messed up I and like when I it's funny I was listening to Asante on your on your podcast mm. um He's a friend of mine, although I haven't seen him in a couple of years, but we used to do a lot of talks together. Cool. And uh, he was describing um, 
like the onset of like depression for him in a sense and I was like yeah that sort of it's so nice to hear that's what's so nice about these conversations because you get to identify with other people right? yeah like, oh my god um, like the onset of like the heavy depression for me it actually yeah it really did pull me away from social interactions and like stopped hanging out with my friends as much and part of it was because I was with my brother all the time but like and I disconnected from like my interests and stuff right so like I wasn't listening to music I wasn't watching tv or movies I wasn't like watching sports and like it just so I think that is a bit of a missing part of my life today like I I would like to sort of find that again cool um but yeah I journal a lot I like Mm -hmm. writing yeah me too yeah even like I do gratitude lists um I guess you know you said meditation like prayer is a wonderful thing like I'm not a I guess I'm not I depends how you define religion right yeah in the in the what would you say the status quo understanding of religion no I'm Mm -hmm. not but I do pray and Mm -hmm. I use prayers from different faiths yeah um and it's again it I understand how people have a visceral reaction to that because I did too for a long time but I I just was able to move beyond my preconceived notions yeah or interpretation that like this means I'm like I believe in some like white bearded man in the sky <laughs> yeah. and like how ridiculous is that because yeah. you know the common conversations like there's no if Jesus existed he was a Semitic person mm-hmm. or maybe he was from Africa or India or like who the hell knows right like, he wasn't he wasn't your modern Anglo-Saxon right so anyhow um, I got over that perception and it served me very well yeah um calling like i go to 12-step meetings a lot which Mm. are beautiful places to be if you can find one that again you know you can relate to Mm -hmm. absolutely you might have to try a few different groups before you find one that uh you really click with yeah yeah there's a there's a and i think i'm gonna get a little academic here but um in aa actually in the i think it's the Oh, it's the first page of the big book but it's one of the first few pages in the first chapter or something it says like we look for the similarities and not the differences and that's a really difficult thing to do when you're really unwell yeah and like when our brains get into the fight flight freeze mode everything is a threat yeah like, everybody is an enemy and like so your brain deceives you into thinking that like you're not like this person or nothing here can help me and so it's really tricky but there's a lot of emerging evidence around I guess the way that young kids were brought up in the school system in like the 90s and 2000s on like everybody's special everybody's unique everybody like has their own identity and da 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 which like in is true obviously in some respects but what it did is that it reduced our ability to be empathetic so like rather than looking for the similarities amongst each other we looked at the differences like Hmm. there was and this is ridiculous too there's a there was a program by the canadian mental health association called I'm somebody or something like that and it was like getting kids to like do a fingerprint and write down on a piece of paper what made them different from everyone else Hmm. and like you play that out for 10 or 20 years that turns into adults 
who won't relate to each other because they're different. I'm different than you. I'm better than you. I'm more special than you. And it's a really interesting. It hasn't played out. Or I'm out. shittier than you. Right. Or, yeah. Yeah. Thank you. yeah. Yeah. That's what. I'm, yeah. Yeah. I'm like, I'm such a loser. And, yeah. You're way better than yeah, me. Yeah. Which. Yeah. God, because that's so destructive too. Yeah. Um, anyway, so from a spiritual angle, like we're all creatures of the universe, right? Mm-hmm. And we're all just as valuable as as anyone else. And like, it's not what makes me different than you that matters. It's what makes me the same. Yeah. And that doesn't mean we don't honor our differences and value them and, and care for them but it's like we I think it's healthier individually and collectively to say like I am more like you than I am not it's true and again you got to fight over your impulse and your biological makeup to like look at other people as enemies and sort of dangers but anyhow that's a really profound thing that's been happening I think in our society and like look at our current political social (laughs) dialogue right now it's very divisive like it doesn't matter what side of the coin you're on right Mm. or whatever it's like it's not good no no it's not good so that has deep roots in like the psyche of each individual human you know yeah (sighs) anyway it's a bit of a ramble but Oh, no, that's fine. I'm uh, here for your rambling. Uh, That's the thing. (laughs) Um, (laughs) um, uh, I was going to say, um, one great thing about um, support groups uh, in the 12-step realm, um, I like that saying, take what you need and leave the rest. Like, even if you're not a religious person or the higher power thing is, like, kind of, like, this really big hurdle for you, there's a lot of other stuff that... You know, you may or may not gain from. Yeah. yeah, that's a great way to. That's yeah, that is a hugely helpful thing too, for sure. Um, it's so it's weird because, and my sponsor would always say this like, you're in a room full of sick people, and you're sick too. Don't forget that. Like, mm-hmm. you're, right? like I'm, you know, and again, like the words, people use different words, but like we're all there because we don't like where we are and we want to be better Mm -hmm. Um, so all of our thinking is a bit distorted you know and so we look for the problems not the solutions and we look for the differences not the similarities and even the words like I have a hard time with this but you know in the AA big book the words are very um, old school very gendered yeah (laughs) totally yeah like they refer to God as he and like uh, and so the perspective on that is like that was written in like the 30s, the 40s, and the 50s. Mm-hmm. So back then, whatever was written in that book was is actually like quite radical mm-hmm. and quite like incredibly progressive right. for its time. So it's hard to like look at the past through today's lens. Yeah. And even still, like when I'm in a meeting, some because some of the groups have older. Uh, literature than others and so it's like every time I hear like he for God and yeah. like that stuff I just like I, I can't help but cringe a little bit and how all the couples are described as like heteronormative and yeah, stuff like totally. that it's yeah, just yeah. like ugh. yeah yeah and, but again it's like well this was written back exactly. then exactly so exactly how, and you can't change the the literature so it's very tricky for modern like people who really have strong reactions to that type of language yeah it's it's not 
I don't know what to do about that. Yeah. Because it's like, how do you, how do we serve people where they're at? And yeah, if you're someone who's like really can't stomach that language, mm-hmm. then like that sucks. Yeah. For you, really, and that also sucks for the program, if you will, or the fellowship, because like we need everybody. Like it's like. Any person that comes in and walks out the door because they can't relate, mm-hmm. that's a loss for that individual and also the group. Because mm-hmm. yeah. everyone has like a beautiful, unique perspective on life and their suffering. And like, we can all benefit from each other's perspectives and stuff. So that one's tricky, man. Like, I don't know yeah. how, how to get around that. Because yeah. like, I know in like, I also go to a lot of MA meetings for like Marijuana Anonymous. Oh, I didn't realize there was MA. Yeah, yeah. it's a newer, smaller, thing for sure but uh yeah there's no gendered language around god yeah actually i don't even say i think it does say god a little bit but it mostly says higher power higher power yeah yeah. Yeah. so and again like that literature was written in the 80s and 90s so again you can see like the historical context that it was written in cool and yeah so maybe if a new book comes out today it won't be so like gendered and so like Yeah. yeah. I, I don't like Old school. Yeah. <laughs> I guess I mean you could say patriarchal. Yeah, I patriarchal. Like I try to stay away from misogynistic. That. Yeah. I don't yeah. know if I would say Well, no, it's not mis- Yeah, but, but it's heteronormative. Yeah. Yeah. Patri- like again, maybe through today's But I don't know. It was written, it's written pretty kind like I don't, I don't know if you ever seen the Al-Anon literature. Have you? Yeah. yeah. So I, even though it does have a bit of that same language, it's a little softer. Like, yeah. I found yeah. that there was a lot of the Al-Anon literature. It always um, kind of assumes that the alcoholic is a man yes. and then yes. the yes. Al-Anon yeah. person yeah, yeah, is a yeah. woman. Of That's course. the yeah, only yeah. thing. Totally. Yeah. Totally. Which, again, is like in the context that it was written in, that was often the case. Yeah. But you're right, yeah, totally. It's so funny, yeah. yeah. Totally, because like you go to Al Anon meetings, some are like mostly women, you know, mm-hmm. and like I think men have a harder time in those environments, anyways, because they haven't been showed how to be vulnerable, I guess. Right? Exactly. Yeah. That's a big thing, too, yeah. is a vulnerability being taught to uh, men yeah. and toxic masculinity yeah. Yeah. and all yeah. that stuff. And yeah. I'm sure that, that you've learned about how that has affected you as well yeah totally like it's weird the whole I think for me the most helpful angle is sort of the spiritual like the Buddhist like I really admire Buddhist psychology um, because it's like in every man and woman and you know whatever it is that you identify with you have the range of all the human emotions so Mm -hmm. like you have the toxic masculine or feminine in you like mm-hmm. we all do and so obviously you know it, it's more relevant prevalent in gendered representations of it i guess mm-hmm. like, it's more likely that the toxic masculine side will manifest in a, in a male or whatever um but even those kind of conversations or lessons aren't taught to us either right and like yeah how do we you know the way I may help my son is like I just do my best to articulate what I am feeling and experiencing mm-hmm. to the best of my ability so at least maybe he and my daughter can just see me 
communicate in that way. Yeah. But like I was never, my dad is like softy in a sense, but like, but he never expressed his feelings, right? right. Or, or even could describe like what he was thinking, right. that kind of thing. So that's where I think we can start softening our like conditioned models of like what it is to be a man and mm -hmm. what it is to be a woman and whatever. Um, I think people need to have a sense of security or comfort and we're so conditioned by our biology right in the yeah. past that like it's hard to snap out of that like animal instinct you know yeah like, danger fight right like that's what you know up until the last 50 years or so like anytime danger it was like okay man go mm -hmm. and die yeah to protect me or to protect our community or our culture so you know in fairness to like that sort of toxic side of the masculine like men have been dying in war for thousands and thousands mm -hmm. of years so a lot of unresolved trauma yeah tons and then of course that comes back into the home and then it gets inflicted on the kids and the and the females or the you know caregivers it's just a horrible cycle you know of like and and since we haven't had any global catastrophes in the last 50 60 years uh and maybe 70 now um we're being given the opportunity to deal with the underlying traumas right and all the emotions and and like our generation or like we're kids of the baby boomers kind of thing so it's still kind of fresh right yeah it yeah. is fresh yeah. and yeah all we can do is like you know try to raise the next generation yeah. um to talk about their feelings and yeah. be open right yeah and yeah and not get like that. sucked into those boys don't cry yeah yeah well, that, fuck yeah for <laughs> sure and like yeah or those like boxes right yeah so if you're a boy you need to do this if you're a girl you like it just yeah. those are softening which seems to be nice yeah yeah definitely yeah. i notice that among the, the friends i have that are raising kids for sure yeah, yeah. It's nice. just letting them be into what they're into yeah, and, yeah 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 it's like there still is you know there's societal conditioning and there's biological conditioning and so I think we're doing a much better job at like not pushing the stereotypes, you know, as much. Uh, it's kind of hard sometimes. Mm -hmm. Like I even, you know, I find it sometimes even in myself. It's like if I'm getting something from my daughter, it's like I can't, whether I act on it or not, I can't help but say, is this girly or boy? Like, is this mm. too guyish or girlish? Like, it's like, I can't escape that thought yeah, process. Yeah, that's because how, that's how we were raised. Yeah, yeah, totally, yeah. And so whether I act on it or not is really where I have the choice to, yeah. like, and sometimes I do and sometimes I don't. Yeah. You know, like, in all honesty, like, sometimes I'm like, that's way too girly, right? Or, like, sometimes <laughs> I'm like, uh, no, that's maybe too boyish or, like, I don't know. I'm just thinking out loud and yeah. being honest. And like, yeah. And then it's hard to condition it to more, will she like this or not? Yeah. 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 Which yeah. is actually the best question to ask. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And then that, even that one gets clouded a bit by this gendered, <laughs> like ingrained gendered stereotype. Oh, you know yeah. What I mean? Yeah. Like the peer pressure. Yeah. And, and maybe it's just hard not to like, We, th I, I think we often assume it's easier to break out of those 
habits than it really actually is in reality in the moment when mm. I'm in Walmart picking out something for my daughter it's like uh, <laughs> it's like I don't want to I don't want to maintain the stereotype and I don't you know it's like oh fuck can't yeah. win you can't win you can't win um, um anyway yeah I've opted out of parenthood so I'm always fascinated by these perspectives yeah. so and yeah, I find it really interesting and fascinating to talk about so well, yeah, I heard, I, so the other podcast I listened to was your conversation with, um, I think it was the most recent one, I can't remember his name, he was a gay man. Oh, wow, uh, Brayden. Brandon, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So you guys started talking about parenting a little bit and this kind of stuff, Yeah. which was interesting, yeah, it's, and it's, it's helpful to hear, like to hear those perspectives that aren't from in it, you know what I mean, like yeah. to have the, yeah. It's helpful. Yeah, just uh, how we see people yeah, around yeah, us yeah. kind of thing. Yeah, yeah I think yeah. in, at least in bigger cities, it's getting better, but like there's still the small town kind of yeah. mentality. That's yeah. my observation. Yeah. I'll probably cut this out, but. <laughs> oh, whatever. <laughs> yeah. I like your nails, actually. Oh, thank you. Nice. Yeah. thank you. Thank nice. you. Yeah, yeah, so, I don't know. It's like, there's a beautiful book that's, uh, the. I guess it's like the course book for mindfulness-based stress reduction, mm. which launched mindfulness in the Western medical system. But it, it's called the full catastrophe. It's called full catastrophe living. Mm. And you know, the idea is that just the life is just this constant reoccurring catastrophe. Mm. Like, and not catastrophe in the sense of devastation. Right. Just constant challenge, constant situations that emerge, constant questions, constant like, me standing in fucking Walmart deciding like <laughs> is this toy too girly or not or like you know it's just like it's constant right and so like how do we position ourselves in relationship to that constant experience of questioning things and yeah yeah it's great I don't know that actually makes yeah. it have you heard of the TV show catastrophe no so sounds cool the concept of it is um, this man and this woman um, they're both in their 40s and he's an American and he goes to England on a business trip they have a one-night stand and she ends up pregnant and they decide to keep it and forge ahead um, and it's just about um, all the catastrophes that come along but they aren't like huge some of them are huge life-changing uh -huh. things but most of them are just like day-to-day -day kind of parenting things and couple things and right, like right. relationships with their families and stuff like that and it's really really like funny and heartwarming and yeah i think you'd like that <laughs> i actually. think i would too yeah is it on netflix it's on amazon oh, cool. amazon yeah, prime yeah, yeah. yeah awesome yeah yeah it's, it's called catastrophe catastrophe yeah, awesome. yeah. carrie fisher plays uh, the american guy's mom yeah so. oh, that's cool yeah Speaking of like, that would uh, that would be a nice thing to do with my wife, like watch those kind of shows. Yeah, and, yeah. yeah, exactly. We don't. God, talk about the catastrophes of parenting. It's yeah, like it's hard to find time to like sit down and be with your wife. You yeah. Know? <laughs> anyway, for sure. Yeah, thank you for that. Uh, any other cool shows that you can suggest for me? Uh, in terms of like, uh, what kind of themes are you like, looking for? Yeah, that's a good question. Like parenting gosh. or? Whatever. I think I like... Fe comedy, anything. drama. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe 
Well, Friday Comedy. Night Lights, I always... <laughs> Friday Night Lights is my Actually, favorite TV show of all is, time. Is, it's it's kind of like... It's mostly about like the coach and his wife, and then he's kind of like a father figure to all these football players. Like, one's dad is in Iraq, um, some of them, their dad's dead, or they Friday fucked Night off. Lights? Yeah, yeah it's yeah, about yeah. like small-town football in yeah. Texas. It's wow. amazing. Wow. Yeah. Um, it's yeah, it's about family, class, race, and community. Yeah, yeah, it's wow. it's, it's on Amazon cool. Prime as well. Okay. Um, well. Oh yeah, catastrophe. catastrophe. Yeah. yeah. Oh wow, awesome. Yeah. Amazing. So, um, before we sign off yes. here, I just wanted yeah. to um, ask uh, where we can find you online, uh, yeah. that kind of thing. So. Yes. Yeah, so the website is startswithme.ca, mm-hmm. um, and then. I think the handles are at starts with me underscore mm-hmm. for Instagram and Twitter, which I guess I use Instagram the most. Me too. <laughs> yeah, it's like so much. It seems to be the most easy. Yeah, get to the point. You see the picture. Like there's yeah. No, like, ads everywhere and all this crap. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So those are the two places. Um, any upcoming yeah. uh, things that you want to tell people about? Uh, no, I mean, I, I have sort of like one of my work, one thing I didn't talk about is like the workplace stuff. I've been doing a lot of stuff in the workplace. So mm-hmm. I have a training on Thursday for a client that I've been working with for quite a while. Um, the State of Mind Festival is growing, which is amazing. We had two dates in two different cities this year. Cool. Uh, hopefully in Calgary next year, which oh, would wow. be ridiculous. Yeah, that would be ridiculous. So if you're a teacher or involved in education in any way and are interested, I would love to hear from you. Mm-hmm. Um, otherwise, yeah, I think that's about it. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. you've got a podcast too? Yeah. Uh, State of Mind Mental Health Podcast, uh, which is on... Uh, iTunes and Spotify. It's also on the website. Um, and yeah, I guess that's about it. I think. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. Thank you so much oh. for this opportunity. I actually love the fact that we're sitting here in this coffee shop. Yeah. Me this too. A, yeah, it's nice. Yeah, this ended yeah, up this uh, nice. pretty yeah. well. We yeah. thought we we had some space recorded today but it kind of fell through so this was a nice alternative and uh yeah before we sign off uh just uh, anything you would say to anyone who's been through similar experience yeah um i think it's (laughs) i mean boil it you know in a sentence or two um there's this i think there's one there's a misconception around acceptance so I think the most important thing is accepting the fact that whatever is happening to you is happening to you. Um, and that doesn't mean that you have to put up with a bad situation. It just means that once you've ex- acknowledged it, then you can act, then you can do something. Um, but often what we resist is that it is happening. So we wish it was different. We think it should be different. It should be this, it shouldn't be this. I want it, like why is this happening to me? All these things that prevent us from taking action. Um, so number one is like find a way at least to move in the direction of acceptance. Uh, and that we all have this incredible innate capacity to heal and to 
and to change our circumstance and what a gift if we can all learn to really live into that a little more you know um and again it's simple but not easy and like not you know if there's one thing that i would say is the most clear message is that life is suffering mm -hmm. you know like life is suffering but it doesn't have to stay that way you know yeah and that's the beautiful message so life is suffering but it is it is also beautiful and it is also all these other things um and by embracing the suffering then you can move in that direction you know yeah. that's yeah yeah mike stroh starts with me thank you so much for uh sitting yeah, down with me today lovely. thanks thanks okay, thanks again to mike my recording studio was closed for the day and we ended up recording at a coffee shop across the street and it was a really chill experience. I really enjoyed spending my time with him and I hope you enjoyed spending your time listening to us. Thank you again for tuning into Poppin' Down. You can get in touch with us anytime on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, and that's at Poppin' Down, or you can send us an email at poppindown at gmail.com. Support the podcast, rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, and subscribe on the podcatcher of your choice. Tell people you know to check us out. We're on Patreon, patreon.com slash poppindown. You can support us for as little as $1 a month. Poppin' Down is written, produced, and edited and hosted by Shauna Quinn. That's myself. And our music is provided by Neil Quinn. Poppin' Down is recorded at the Parkdale Center for Innovation, and we come out with new episodes every mm, two weeks or so. Thanks again for tuning in, and remember that your favorite movies, music, and TV shows are always there for you. And so are we. Bye!